You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, we knew at some point this year we thought things would turn around, but we're now talking about a Detroit Lions team that is winners in four of the last five. And we know that the Thanksgiving Day game against Buffalo also could have been a win. It wasn't, but this is a team that is trending in the right direction. Young players playing well. And TJ, you were on the sidelines. This was, to me, a sign of two teams, Jacksonville and the Lions, in very similar situations. Exactly the same same record, 4-7 and seven going into the game. Jacksonville coming off a game where everybody thought, all right, well, they finally got a little bit of something going, you know, heading in the right direction. Both teams kind of very similar in terms of their rebuilds. And the Lions dominated that game from basically the second play throughout the entire game. Yeah, it, there didn't seem to be much similar about those two teams at all. I no. mean, the Lions looked like uh, a damn powerhouse yesterday. I mean, they made it look easy. I made a, a comment on the broadcast, you know, late in the fourth quarter. I said, guy, this is kind of a boring game, you know, in a good way. Yeah. Like, it's, it's one of those games just like, all right, just, you know, nobody get hurt, run the clock out, and <laughs> let's get out of here, you know. And I think the difference was um, this Lions team, to me, seems like they are – handling adversity, so to say, much better than they have in the past. Um, they're finding ways to, you know, so to say, have tunnel vision and keep uh, keep your mind and, and keep the goal right in front of you. And that's going week by week. And, you know, with that, I mean, in the past, we've seen where this team has lost, you know, maybe a heartbreaking game. Uh, we see it go from bad to worse, right? We see that carry in to the next week. We see it carry, you know, maybe for three, four, five games where they just can't find a way to get over it. Uh, that was kind of one of my biggest questions going into this Jacksonville game. How do they respond from that? You could call it a heartbreaking loss against the Bills, right? A, a Super Bowl caliber team. You played down to the wire and, and you know, you slipped for 20 seconds and you lose that game. That's a game in the past they come out and uh, you got the you got the hangover going, right? Now it turns into two losses. Now it turns into three losses. Uh, how are they going to handle that? That was a question. Jacksonville, on the flip side, coming off a very impressive win, emotional home win uh, against a very good Baltimore team. How are they going to handle that? I think that was a difference in the game. I thought the Lions team came out there 
you know, didn't let the Bills game beat them twice, got over it. It was nice having the long weekend after Thanksgiving, yeah. but resetting their, uh, you know, their goals and their and their sights on uh, on the task at hand. And, you know, it looked like Jacksonville came in a little bit hungover from that big win they had against Baltimore. Um, that, to me, is a sign of an improving team and, and a sign of a good team. You know, not letting, uh, not letting the Bills beat you twice. You know, not letting a, a big win uh, bring you down, or you know, hang over until the following week. And um, you know, now you're not doing the proper things you have to do to prepare uh, for the next opponent. I thought the way they responded yesterday was that was the first time in Dan Campbell's, uh, you know, career or year and a half here in Detroit where they came off of a tough, heartbreaking loss and were ready to go. We're ready to go out there and just absolutely dominate. And it was just a complete game. You know, you go back a couple weeks to that Giants game, and it was like that felt like a, you know, ass-kicking, complete game, offense, defense, special team. Yesterday felt, you know, ten times more of a complete game. Just, you know, offense rolling, scoring on every single possession, not punting the entire time. Defense, uh, you know, getting some stops. And, hey, the one touchdown drive, if we're going to get beat – Make them go 15 plays and drain, you know, seven minutes off the clock. Special teams, uh, you know, getting a couple nice returns there in the kickoff return game, setting your offense up, you know, at the 30, 35, 40-yard, whatever it was. It was just a complete game. And the most promising thing, John, is the way that the young players are playing. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at this um, rookie class at least, Yesterday, we got a little bit of a glimpse of Jamison Williams, and we know his role is going to continue to improve. And once it does, you're going to have production, good production, from all of your draft picks outside of the seventh rounder, Chase Lucas, uh, who hasn't played much. You're going to get, you've gotten production from James Houston. You've gotten production, we obviously know from Hutchinson and Pascal and Rodriguez and Kirby Joseph. You know what I mean? You're getting, it's not like these guys are just James getting Mitchell. thrown out. James Mitchell, you're not, they're not just getting thrown out there and, hey, you know, go get acclimated to the NFL game. You know, they're going out there and producing. And when we see Jameson take that next step, which, I'm, you know, I think we should see him a lot more offensively next week against the Vikings. You're going to have production from all of your rookie class, and go, even going back last year. You know, I mean, first, second, third year players, you're getting good production from those players. That for me is the most promising thing. How fast the youth on this team is learning to grow up and learning how to win games and learning what it takes uh, to be a consistently good player in the NFL. Because the last month, you know, the the last five games, that's been the biggest difference for this team. Yeah, so in 2021, you've got Penny Sewell, Aleem McNeil, Monroe St. Brown, and Derek Barnes. All right, so you got four contributors. Yeah. And Star- now, I mean, starters. Yeah, yeah, four starters. And now this year, you, you just went through the list of Hutchinson, Williams, Pascal, Joseph, Mitchell, uh, you know, Rodriguez, and Houston. So now you've got seven different guys and paired with four. Now you've got 11 roster spots. That are first or second year guys that are contributing, and you talk about building a team through the draft. I mean, it's it's textbook how you do it. Yeah. And now this year, you look ahead to a team that is one four of the last five, and we'll talk about the remaining part of the schedule and our expectations. Uh, you know, compared to what they were in the preseason, they're finally starting to not make us look like such dumbasses, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, you know, you've got eleven guys over two years that are contributors, starters, or major contributors. And you pair that with five picks within the first 80 picks of the draft. Now you're looking at basically half your team 
of being young guys, first, second, third-year guys that are contributing or just nearly half of your team, building through the draft, and then you put on top of that, and that's just the first three rounds this year. You've got more yeah. guys that, that you know Brad Holmes are going to be able to go out there and get. But this is the first year where he's going to be able to go out and spend some money in free agency. Yeah, The feeling around the Detroit Lions franchise right now is one of great optimism. And four of five, and then you look at their last five games this year of the Vikings, and we'll talk about them in just a minute, because they're a team that they, they should have won in Minnesota. You're at the Jets, at the Panthers, Bears, and Packers. There's a way to construct wins in all five of those games. I'm not sitting here and calling for them to be, you know, finish the season 6-0, and but I would expect them to be somewhere 4-2 and in, in terms of the last six, and they've already got one in the bag. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, the Vikings... Uh, we know they match up well with them. We saw that. And look, I know it was week three. That feels like forever ago. And during an NFL season, that is a it long is, time. Yeah. I mean, there aren't many teams right now that are the same as they were, you know, two months ago. Um, but how far Detroit has come and what we've seen consistently now for the last month and a half, it feels like it's real. You know, it feels like this is who they are. It feels like the first seven weeks were more of the anomaly rather than the past five games. You right. know what I mean? Like, it, that was kind of the question after Green Bay, Chicago. Well, you know, can, how long can they keep it going? You know, okay, you got to beat the Giants, who were 7-2 and two at the time, I think it was. Okay, you know, you come, you play the Bills tough. You go out there, you pound the – like, this, this feels like who they are. We're not sitting here talking about – uh, you know, well, the other teams stink and, oh, the other teams made mistakes and, oh, you got lucky. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this team legitimately being a, a good football team, yeah. a good, damn good football team. And they showed it yesterday. And, you know, I just keep going back to the young players. And, John, like you said, I mean, it's not only that the young players are playing, it's that they're making a difference. You know, it's that they're making plays at crucial times and they're learning what it takes to win in the NFL. They've it seems like they've learned how to do that. And people ask you all the time, well, what does that mean? You know, what do you have to learn, you know, to win in the NFL? And, you know, just going back to my experience, it's about it's about uh expectations almost. You know, I remember being a young player and, you know, maybe you play sixty snaps and you know, oh, I played a pretty good game. You know, I had uh, maybe, you know, six or seven plays, you know, didn't go well and, yep. you know, that I want back. But other than that, you know, I feel like I played good. And you talk to some of the veteran players, the guys who have, you know, been to Pro Bowls and all pros and, you know, they had one bad play and it's a bad game. So it's like that's part of the learning curve, too, is not being satisfied, you know, going out there. And and uh, the best players I played with were, were like that way. I mean, they, they if they didn't play a perfect game, they, you know, they weren't satisfied. And I think that's important for young players to learn is you're not satisfied with, oh, I had two bad plays. Oh, you know, I had three bad plays, but I played really good. You know what I mean? Screw that, man. That's not good enough. And that's that seems to be where they've turned it around a little bit because you can see a difference really throughout offense, defense, in urgency. You know what I mean? You can yeah. see guys expecting to go out there and expecting to to make plays, and uh, especially in the critical times, you know, the, the situational football, the red zone offense and defense, the third down, the short yardage offense and defense. They've been winning the majority of those last five games, and you, and you also throw in the uh, the turnover margin. I mean, that's kind of been their secret to where 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 they are now. 
And you, you talk about learning to win games, and you know Dan Campbell said you got to you got to win a close game. You got to win a close game on the road before you know how to do that. Yeah. And they did that at Chicago. Got to make one more play. Um, they they found a way to close things out against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to get that first one. Uh, you know, in this in this you know four games that they've won in the last five. Um, and you know, you talk about learning to win. It, it's also you got to learn how to be a playoff team. And when you look at the at what this team has done. And you can argue or not whether they were in the Eagles game or how close they were to the Seahawks game, but you look back and you say, okay, well, a pick six is a difference in that game. And you look at the at the Minnesota game and you say, they were up in that game and should have won the game. They let it slip away, and you get to the end of the year and you miss the playoffs by one game. Now, I think the Lions are going to have to win out to get in the playoffs, but if they miss... And you look back at the season and say, all these young players go, how did we miss the playoffs? Well, we shouldn't have lost that lead in Minnesota. You understand the value. When you have a lead, you have to keep it. And how important those games are at the beginning of the year into you know translating into a trip to the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's that's what they're learning. You know, they're, they're learning to take it week by week. You know, and this team right now, you know, even, gosh, I was after the game, I'm watching the Giants and Commanders, and I'm like, please don't end in a tie. You know, I don't want to see a tie be the difference, you know, at the end of the season, uh, who's in, who's out. But even, you know, I kind of caught myself, like, it's way too, it's too, it's still too early. Uh, to be scoreboard watching, right? You can't be worrying about... Only scoreboard uh, you're watching right now is the Rams. Or, or, the Rams, yes, yes. I, whoever the Rams play, I'm the biggest fan, the second biggest fan of that team that week outside of the Lions. Um, but you got to take care of your own business, you know? And is there realistically a, a, a position we could be sitting in, you know, two, maybe three weeks from now saying, gosh, man, the Lions control their destiny. You know, if they get the job done against, you know... Green Bay and Chicago. I mean, they're you know they control it. I mean, there there could be. It all depends on obviously what happens this week against Minnesota. But um, that's a good you know that's just the admirable part about Dan Campbell and about this football team is he's got them so locked in on just what the daily task is. Right? What are we doing now? What what are we doing in this period of practice? What are we doing today? Uh, you know, in the meetings. What are we, that's the only thing that matters. You know, what are we doing this week to focus on this opponent? Not start worrying about. Oh, I hope the Seahawks lose, or I hope the Giants. You know what I mean? Like that's just, you're wasting energy on on things you can't control. That's what I love about Dan Campbell so much is he's got these guys just locked in every single week. Um, in this this past five game stretch, you know, he's got them locked in every week to what the goal at, at hand is, and it's worrying about the next opponent. And that's a big reason why, you know, they haven't. Uh, they haven't come off slow out of a win, you know. They haven't mm-hmm. let a loss uh, kind of pile up like we, we like we saw early in the season and even last year. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So in this game, getting back to the to the win that they just had over the Jaguars, offensively, you never punt throughout the course of a game. You scored on every single possession. What was the difference in the success that they found against the Jaguars? Well, I mean, offensively, it's the healthiest that they've been probably since week one. You know, DeAndre Swift, uh, healthiest he's been since early in the season. Wasn't on the injury report uh, all year. We saw a glimpse of this receiving core that we were hoping to see at the beginning of the season. I know Jameson didn't play a ton. I think it was six or seven snaps and you know, five or six of those were run plays. Yeah, you know, one kinda, target. Yeah, go figure it out, kid. Go learn how to block. Go learn how to dig a safety out. Those are things you're going to have to do. You can't just be a playmaking, you know, speed guy. You got, you know, yeah. if you want to play in this offense, you're going to have to block a safety in the run game. You know, go do it. Um, so yeah, we didn't get to see uh, nearly a glimpse of what you know the plans are with him moving forward. But you did get to see that lineup. You got to see Reynolds. You got to see Chark. You got to see Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Khalifa. You know what I mean? You got to see it. It's the first time we've seen it. Yeah. And um, it was promising. And you know DJ Chark having the best game of his season so far. You know catching uh, nearly every every pass. I think he was targeted six times, caught five of them. You know one of them being that long throw down the sideline, which we haven't seen them complete i don't think at all this season you right. know just on a go route uh that was promising you know but the, the biggest difference to me was two things i think i i think the game plan uh from ben johnson was incredible i thought the timing of some of the plays some of the play action plays you know catching them trying to stop the run was uh was was great uh you know late in the game you know, using the speed break a little bit out of the huddle, not letting him get lined up, play action fake. Fi- oh, there's Amon Ra wide, op- wide open for a touchdown, you know, in the flat. Um, mixing in the no huddle at appropriate times. Hey, we're going to run, you know, one, two, three plays. As soon as we get the first down, bam, we're going into no huddle mode. We're not letting him substitute. We're going to limit the communication that they can do defensively. All of those things you love to see during a game, but the timing has to be right, and the timing felt right yesterday for all the play calls it literally seemed like 
he almost knew what Jacksonville was doing. Yeah. And was like, okay, boom, this is what we're doing. And I know the run game wasn't phenomenal. I think they – It was good enough. They, they averaged less than four carries. It's not like they had – you know, they weren't – they weren't, you know, exploding on them in the run game, so to say, but it was good enough. It was good enough to wear them down. It was good enough to make uh, make them respect it, right? And that's why we saw some of those play-action games work, uh, work so well. And the other part was Jared Goff was really good. He was really good. He made the throws that he had to make. But the offensive line, to me, uh, that was the best game they've played. They were the most dominant unit uh, on the field yesterday. You know, there were, I think Jared Goff got sacked twice. One of them was on an empty blitz where, you know what, hey, they just brought seven. We had six blocking. Yeah. What can you do? You know, I think he lost a total of three yards on those. So they weren't drive killers. Uh, you know, they weren't putting you out of field goal range, anything like that. I thought they were, you can live with those. Uh, but the offensive line, the protection that they gave, uh, Jared Goff just sitting back in the pocket going through first read, second read, third read. Oh, let's just dump it off, you know, for, for a 10-yard gain of the running back. You know, offensive line yeah. was really good. And even the run game, I mean, you didn't see any free runners in the backfield. You didn't see any negative, you know, four or five-yard losses. You didn't see, uh, you know, the miscommunication, which is something you always worry about, especially when you have a young player starting to guard there with uh, with Coyote. Yeah. Um and they were just rolling, man. Like, they just came out and dominated. And we talk about this offense line all the time. When they play that style of football, you're going to have a chance to beat any team in the NFL. When you can control the line of scrimmage, you can give your quarterback time, uh, you can move up and down the field, you can get points on every possession. Like, you're going to have a chance to win every single game. I thought the offensive line, to me, as a unit, was probably most worthy of, you know, that game ball, player of the game type uh, type performance. Yeah, and you know when you control the line of scrimmage, there it's it's also being able to control the tempo of the game, and some of that has to go down to the game plan that that you you talked about. Ben Johnson put together has to go to the execution of Jared Goff and be able to find and go through his checks, but it does ultimately come down to how the offensive line handles that line of scrimmage. If you know, yes, it's not an explosive run game yesterday, but I think in the NFL, if if you're going to be a, an offense that consistently wins games, you're going to have to be more heavy in the pass game than you are in the run. But your run still sets up those play-action passes. It's a pass-happy league, and it's a passing league. Jared Goff did what he was asked to do, and, and I'll ask you this. From what you've seen in total through 12 games of Jared Goff, First four games, offense is is humming along, but they've only got one win against Washington. Then there's this lull. You know, we know what what happened against New England, and you know, offensively they struggled against Dallas. But then all of a sudden, you got this. You know, four and five games, but all five games the offense has looked pretty good and operated very well. Where, what do you? What are your thoughts on Jared Goff? When he plays like he has the past month, he's more than capable of uh, being your, you know, long-term quarterback. Um, Can you trust that though? Well, here's the only, th- here's the biggest thing that I think of: Does he do enough that justifies, you know, him being your franchise quarterback at thirty, thirty-five million dollars a year? You know, is he that type of guy that makes that big of a difference uh, where you can't find a guy for? 
you know, uh, that $15, $20 million. Is there, the that, is there a big difference between those type of quarterbacks? Um, I don't know. You know, like that's the biggest question. You don't know. I mean, you take a look at, you know, I'm going to take a, a tear down, and you can correct me if you disagree, but, you know, you look at like a Ryan Tannehill. You look at, um, you know, even like a Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, those are guys that are tended to, you know, be looked at as maybe kind of that mid-tier uh, quarterbacks, you know, maybe that 15 to 20 range. They're not going to do anything special. They're good enough to go out there, run the offense. Th- those aren't really necessarily guys you're going to pay $35, $40 million to. You can probably get them for, you know, 20 25 Right? Is, is Jared Goff, has he separated himself that much out of that range to where you can justify paying him like a franchise quarterback um, with the production that you get from him? You know, and we've seen games where you're like, yes, like I could totally see him being here for the next four or five years and then continuing to build, uh, you know, a a great defense around him and giving him pieces. And, you know, he's good enough to go win you that win you games. Um, But we all know when it comes to the quarterback position, like you want we're all greedy. We want a game changer. We want a dude that's, you know, just lights out, you know, dynamic. I mean, like that's kind of what we all want, right? So I think Jared Goff is good enough to win you games. Um, but, you know, in two years from now, you know, even maybe even next year, if this is a team that we expect to keep staying on the rise and continuing to get better and uh, talking about playoffs, talking about battling for the division – you know, is golf that type of quarterback that's going to get you over that hump and win you some playoff games and, you know, get you the ultimate goal? I don't know. I mean, I don't know, John. I don't know. I mean, what's your opinion? I just don't know because we've seen glimpses of it. I think the only thing that we're kind of hesitant of is that there's been, historically with him, a little bit of lack of consistency, right? And when you're paying a guy $35, $40 million to be your franchise quarterback, you're not giving yourself much wiggle room for inconsistent play. You need that guy to be a game changer. And Jared Goff, he's been that guy sometimes, just not yeah. all the time. And that's where I kind of go back and forth is if you put another guy in his shoes, albeit a rookie or you know a, a, another mid-tier quarterback, can they do what Jared Goff has been doing? And I lean yes because – I just don't see many throws that he makes that I think are incredible, that I think, oh, my goodness, not many quarterbacks can make that throw. Or, oh, man, he put that one on a row. You know what I mean? You don't really see that. It's good enough to to get the job done, um, but you also feel like there's a lot of other quarterbacks that can do the same thing. thing. Yeah, so that's kind of where I sit. And obviously I reserve my right to change my opinion (laughs) (laughs) further down the road. (laughs) You know, if these next five games he goes out and lights it up, hey, man, you you can always change it. But where we sit right here right now, um, that's a big question. All right, so the task at hand for the Lions, and I think if they're going to make it to the playoffs, it's going to have to be 10 wins, which means they've got to win out. Got to win out. And so I'll I'll pose two questions to you. They're kind of the same. Can the Lions, do you expect them to have a chance to win every single game on the remainder of their schedule? And I'll give you the opponents, and I'm basically giving them to our listeners. I know you know them. It's the Vikings, it's at the Jets, at the Panthers, the Bears, and at the Packers. So they got five games left. If they want to make it to the playoffs, they're going to have to be a 10-win team. They've got five now, so that means, obviously, they've got to win all five. 
do they win five? And at the very least, are we talking about a team that ends above 500? I would expect them to win four. So um, you're expecting them to be a, a five, above 500, nine and eight. Here, okay, let me change that. <laughs> I, because Only because last week I said, you know, when you're looking at six games left, I think anything less than four and two would be disappointing. Right. So I would say now moving forward, I say anything less than three uh, would be disappointing. Um, Minnesota, we know, I, I, I really feel like you match up well with them. Uh, but they just have something about them that feels like this year's lucky a NFL team, team. You know, I, I don't expect Minnesota to do anything in the playoffs. I yep. don't think they're ca- that kind of team. Um, but they just, they've got something going for them. Uh, they just feel like <laughs> this year's version yep. of like, yeah, oh my God, they're getting every break. Oh yeah. shit. They're, Last you know, year's playoff oh, Bengals. Yeah, just, you know what I mean? Like, you, you kind of get that vibe around them. I don't feel like they're a powerhouse. I wouldn't put them in the same category as, uh, you know, the, the the Bills and the Chiefs and, you know, the Eagles. Right. Not, not even close, but I feel like they match up well with them. But I don't know if I'm going to chalk that down as a loss, but that's one that I'm willing to, you know, put that wiggle room in just because I think Minnesota's got a lot of shit going right for them. Um, There's a lot of people that believe the Jets, at the Jets, is going to be tougher than home against the Vikings. Well, I think a lot of people thought that coming off of, uh, was it two weeks ago, you see, you know, Mike White um, go out there and absolutely light it up. And, you know, they lost yesterday, though, didn't they? Um, The Jets, yeah, they lost to Minnesota. It was 27-22. Look, I, I, I see the Jets in a very similar position that, we kind of saw the Giants in, you know, when we when we went out to New York a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a team that's yeah, – they're playing good football. Yeah, they're taking care of the ball. Um, you know, they play solid. You know, I don't think there's anything spectacular about them. Uh, Mike White, by the way, against or Minnesota was 31 of 57 for 370 and two interceptions. <laughs> he threw the ball 57 times. He threw the hell out of the ball. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like the Jets kind of play that same style of football that we play. It's like you want to kind of be physically imposing. You want to be a tough style football team and uh, gritty and all that. Uh, that Jets game doesn't really scare me. I guess what I'm trying to say at is when you look at the remaining five games, John, None of those teams really scare me. Right. They're all winnable games. It may not be favored, but they're all winnable. If you are a different team, which I think they are, you're you're the team that we've seen the last five games, uh, these are teams that you should beat. You know, these are teams that you should beat. I think these are all teams that you match up well with. And, you know, even we we talked about it a little bit in this morning show was, you know, even the early line. I know we're still six days away, but I think Minnesota was favored by one and a half over Detroit. I mean – you match up well with them. When they go to New York, I expect the line to be, you know, one either way. When the, you know, And then there's a chance they could be favored the rest of the way out. So looking at the schedule, there's not a team on there that scares me, you know. And if this is a different team that we have seen for five straight weeks now, these are games you should win. Well, we'll see if uh, if they are that different team that we believe they are uh, because those those five games, they're all winnable. Uh, but we'll get a chance to continue to talk about them. Uh, When we return next week, uh, we thank you for listening to Necessary Roughness.